Live from Greenwater Studios, this is On The Lift Podcast, your weekly show that is ultimately about skiing. This is the show that ducks the rope, earns some turns, dances in ski boots, poaches hot tubs, closes the bar, and still makes it on the first chair. Here's your hosts, two dudes who rip the pow, shred the gnar, and tell the tales, Lance Hester and Michael Gore. And we are on the lift again. So this is Lance, and I'm here to tell you that Mike and I have kind of been operating in two different but parallel universes lately. So I'm just introducing what's going to be an awesome show. Mike and I are kind of minor players in this show. Um, we, uh, among our callers who have left us messages and, and uh, given us some really nice, um, kind, and, and fun feedback, is a groomer from Breckenridge. And so Mike's uh, interview speaks for itself and it is outstanding. Now, followed by that, after a little break uh, between the interview, is my favorite Hawaiian call-in from Josiah. Yes, we have followers in Hawaii. And Josiah compares surfing to snow sports. How about that? So sit down, relax, put your seat back, and enjoy the ride. It's going to be a fun show. This call is now being recorded. Okay, did you hear that? It said it's being yep. recorded. Yep, yep. Okay, so we had we had your permission to use this uh, on our show? Hell yeah. All right. Of awesome. course. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just get this started. So, um, we, we're excited today to, to talk to Austin in Summit County, Colorado, Breckenridge. And uh, Austin is a snowcat driver that was listening to one of our earlier episodes on kind of what our opinion was, or the, the layman's interpretation of what the, the best jobs are in a ski town. So um, we're, we're honored to talk to someone who has what we dubbed as the best job, which was a snowcat driver. So Austin, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. Good to be on here. <laughs> so, <laughs> how did you find us? Um, well, I actually uh, started. I mean, when I started snowcat driving, like we all listen to music in the cats, and uh, we got Bluetooth yeah. and aux cord, and and it just gets boring to listen to music for eight hours straight. So I uh, looked up a ski podcast, and uh, I found yours. Yours was like the first one on there. And uh, I listened really? to one where you guys were, like, at a ski swap, and uh, and I just started listening to them all, and I actually listened to them all in one night, and then I was, like, pretty hooked, because you guys talked about, like, facts and stuff, and, like, all different, like, you talked about East Coast, Midwest, and I actually grew up um, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and uh, skied there my whole life, and so, like, it was cool that you okay. talked about more than just, you know, some, most people just talk about... You know, the big ones, Tahoe, Jackson Hole, Breckenridge, all, you know, yeah. the big ones. And it's cool, like, yeah. the, the little hills get, like, you know, they get recognition and stuff. Nice. Well, appreciate that, Austin. Yeah, we're trying to make this, you know, a show for, like, the average skier, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so so in, in doing that, we're going to try to cover as, as much as we can um, yeah, around yeah. the country. So, so appreciate that. Glad, glad you found the show. And you have no idea how honored we are. That, that a snowcat driver 
in Breckenridge and listening to our show in 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 the in the cab. That's like yeah, I, I I'll put it on the CD and have people listen to it on like the other snowcat drivers. I'll be like, listen to these guys, they're funny. <laughs> like the story, I think it was your your maybe it was you or your other uh, the other guy Lance. Um, who is it, Lance? Who was riding in the station wagon and almost died? Yeah, <laughs> that's a funny story. It's easier for for ballast just to like, mm-hmm. go ahead and get the most dangerous part of the car. So yeah, we're <laughs> we're trying to make every every episode you know something useful and something funny. So I don't know how many more funny stories we have, but we'll we'll try to keep coming. So dude, I got a I got a ton of questions for you. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So first of all. Um, what like how uh, how do you get into this? I'm sure everyone listening is like you know they agree like driving a cat. Uh, oh, that's probably one of the mo- that's the most asked question. question. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, so I have I uh was construction worker for three years, and I uh, worked on a farm when I was younger too, and uh, I operated heavy equipment, and uh, I was actually uh I graduated high school last May and uh I everyone was going to college and I was just like see you later I'm going surfing so I packed up my van put my surfboards in my van and went to Portland to Baja Mexico and uh I remember I was sitting down at the beach and I'm like man I kind of ran out of money I need something to do I didn't want to go back to Wisconsin to go frame houses in the freezing cold so I looked online in a coffee shop and uh Breck had a grooming position open and entry level and uh i filled it out i mean i did a good cover letter you know if you have heavy equipment background and stuff you know that is a plus and uh, he called me two days later it was pretty simple he called me two days later and said come out here in november so i came out here and i had no idea what i was getting into but i mean i didn't know what i was getting into when i went from portland to mexico so yeah screw it right (laughs) Yeah, so, so so there's a lot to unpack there. So first of all, you, you just graduated high school. So you're 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 19 years. You, you just told me before we started recording, you're 19 years old. Yep. Absolutely living the dream. Did did a did a season surfing in Baja, and then you're like, yep. I need some cash. You, uh-huh. you know where the controls are on a on a bulldozer, which I assume mm-hmm. transferred to a snowcat. Yeah, it's it's basically the same thing with a tiller on the back. And. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's like you do 40 hours of training and it's pretty, you, you do a ride along like two nights and then they put you in the cat and they ride with you and, and then like in a week you're ready to go and, just, you know, pay attention to where you are, you know, that, I mean, they're expensive machines. Don't hit a tree yeah. and, uh, yeah. and you're good to go and, uh, and you're in a pack and you're grooming. And I mean, definitely. So we got a thing called a digger. And that what okay. that is is you'll be looking like you got to keep your head on a swivel at all times, yeah. and uh, you got to be looking back at your tiller, making sure your pass is good, making sure you know where your tiller is, and then you'll look back, and you got to keep that blade with the contour of the snow, and you'll look back and it won't be on the contour, and you'll just plow straight through it and make a huge trench, and everyone does it, you know, even the even the seasoned yeah. vets do it, and uh, you yeah. just call it out on the radio and say, hey, I got a digger. Everyone stops. You fill it in. And you just go on with your day. It's not a big deal. But uh, so this, this time of the year, is that getting down into dirt when it when it does that? I mean, it's just drenched in the snow. I mean, it's it's a uh, oh, it's dumping in Breck right now too. It's like we got about yeah. eight inches coming, but uh, <laughs> but uh, 
Uh, I just wanted to tell you that everyone, so they get all jealous on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but um, fresh powder tomorrow. But um, yeah, I mean, you got to be careful. There's some thin spots. There's some trees. Some dirt sticking out. You know, there's some places that are really deep, and then some places that are really thin, and you got to be really aware of where your tiller sure. is at all times. Okay. So, so, the, so the big no-no, the kind of the rookie move is just uh, what was that called? Doing a digger where you're where you put your yeah own. digger wing. Okay, what's a, what's a tiller? You, you mentioned that the word tiller. Okay, Does that mean so, that you have an implement on the back of it, basically, or what's Yeah, that? exactly. So, I mean, that that groom path that everyone knows, that corduroy, that fresh laid path. Um, what that is is we have this thing that trails behind our cats. So we have a big plow. Basically, it's a twelve functioning blade. So a bulldozer is like four, I think. It can go, it can curl, it can go side to side, and it can go up and down. It's six functions. Ours has 12. It can go up and down and around. It has wings and stuff. It's got a lot more functions. So that means there's a lot more stuff to, like, you need to focus a lot more. you got a lot more options. And, like, so it's for the contour of the snow. Because a bulldozer, you're kind of making a grade. You're not worried about, like, following the contour. You're just worried about making it flat. And then the tiller, it has, it's this big cutting blade that is, it's this big circle that is the width of the cat. Okay. And it has these big, it has these like two inch metal cutting blades on it. And what that does is it chops the snow up. You that spins at a really high speed, and it cuts the snow. And then um, there is this polyester like plastic type um, plastic on the back that has these grooves in it, and that runs that chopped, freshly chopped soft snow over. And that's what makes the corduroy. Okay, so, so you're you're chewing it up, and then you're kind of like. Yeah. So what the what the blade's doing, you can lift that tiller up and if you need to push a big whale or something, you can just use the uh you can use the um blade just to push the whale around and okay. like a whale a whale is a big pile of uh of snow yeah. that the snowmakers made and um sure. you can use that to push that around and then uh, okay. when you want uh when you want uh, um to like make a nice pass, you throw your tiller down and that chops the snow up. And then uh, okay. you got this nice path. Nice. So, so office, so you show up like your first day. You're, they they uh-huh. show you know they give you kind of an overview of how the cat operates, you know. And then, like you said, they ride with you a little bit, and then you're on your own. Um, is there kind of a progression? Like, like do you, do you start off on a, on a like just kind of cr- like groomers and like you know kind of like just more moderate pitches, and then or or do they throw you in like the snow park right away and and okay so that's a good question a couple different crews that do that all those those different actually yeah so right now um actually so we have my department which is only trails so we do all the groomers and then we have park crew and then if you don't know right now actually um we have the do tour going on right now in Breckenridge. Um, yeah. And, uh, if people don't know what that is, it's, you know, it's like the small version of the X games. Uh, it might be an Olympic qualifier this year. I'm not sure. Um, that's actually starts tomorrow. And, uh, the people that build that park are actually, I think those are the guys that travel all around the world and, uh, they do like the Olympics and the X games and all that stuff. And so we hired those guys in because we can't make that park and keep the mountain operating at a normal pace with, you know, because there's two shifts. There's swings and graves. Swings work yeah. from 4 to 12, and I'm on the graves, which is the best uh, best shift uh, on the planet, 1230 to 9 in the morning. 
Hill opens at nine, you get to ski your product, you know? Awesome. Um, well, that, that's kind of where I was heading to with my next line of questioning here. You know, um, we, Lance and I just kind of sit back and look at you guys, and we're so jealous because we're like, you know, <laughs> you get to see where the where the where the how the snow's piling up, where the good spots uh, are going to be. Does it live up to the hype? I mean, is it? You, you mentioned being a really, uh, you know, you're you're really into surfing, but I'm, I'm sure that the skier and you is just like, oh man, this is this is the perfect schedule. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, miss surfing. Actually, I go down to Fair Play once in a while and go river surfing, because um, oh, okay. yeah, I mean, you get that's like an addiction, and so is skiing. But when you do it every day, it's like you take it for granted. You know, people come like I. People, I hear stories of people come from, like, Germany and all over the place to ski at Bracket. It's like, wow, you know, you're lucky you get to ski it every day. And, I mean, I know the mountain like the back of my hand because you, you grew them all over the place. And, uh, yeah, I mean, every day you get to ski. And if you're a ski bum, you know, you don't have a lot of money, you can have a second job, too. So I actually work as a ski tech um, in one of the ski shops. Actually, I'm sitting in the ski shop right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that's, you actually have two of the top 10 ski town jobs. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty awesome. All right. What, what, uh, so are you just like working, working the shop, like cranking bindings, doing tunes, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Doing tunes, rentals and stuff. Okay. Get to meet a lot and of so people. You'll do, that you, you'll, you'll do that till you go on at 1230. And uh, actually, no, so I, or? I do, so I'll go, I'll work from um, 12.30 to 9 grooming, and then from 9.15 to 1, um, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at the shop, and then the rest of the days I ski. Okay. And, and you're I'm 19 like, years old. You don't really need to sleep in there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, once in a while, you know, you sleep once in a while, and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, I mean, you get mad tips at the ski shop, too. Like, some guy just tipped me probably 40 bucks in beef brisket, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> That's right. The the meat economy is, uh, mm-hmm. is valuable at the town. I mean, a little fun fact. I, I did a season in Breckenridge back in the late 90s, so um, yeah. I, I worked at the TV station there. So I had a little bit of a similar job. I could, I mean, similar schedule. I, I would set up a camera. Uh-huh. I think it was at peak eight and do the, like, live weather report and then get to ski after. But it was That's fun, cool. like, ride the, ride the chair with the patrollers, you know, first thing. Yeah. Open, so. Yeah. Well, fond memories of Breckenridge. I mean, I gosh, I was there, you know, a couple decades ago now. But, uh, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome that you've, like, kind of found this way to make this ski town life just work i mean you got yeah. two jobs and you, you know that facilitates tons of skiing um yeah well, i'm actually kind of my uh i'm kind of following in my dad's footsteps he actually in the 70s worked at keystone and um oh, cool. or 80s actually worked at keystone and uh, i was just like i'm going out man we'll go work and uh so i and i applied uh for the summer either at parisher or mount hood to uh to ski there too so i might go to australia or I might go to Oregon. Who knows? So you're going to kind of pursue this as a like a career, like just this grooming thing, or yeah, yeah. I definitely want to like do a little. You know, I'm still young. I want to do a little more traveling and stuff. But I want to keep the grooming like like accessible. You know, in the summer and like fall, like I want to surf. You know, I want to keep that and like get out and yeah. see things. Like I actually have a van right now and like an adventure van. You know, I'll decked out and stuff and uh i love like spending like sleeping like once the spring 
you know, it gets a little warmer, I'll be just living in that. And, like, I just love that accessibility of freedom. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you never work a day in your life when you work at a ski town. Like, I mean, they kind of explain it with poverty as a view. And it kind of is a little bit, you know, you're not the rich. There's a lot of rich people, you know, that, you know, and it, it is kind of upsetting sometimes that, like, the people that are really, you know, hard skiers and stuff and, like, like people that are really passionate about it can't get out here. Like, I was one of those people. Like, I worked at a hill in Wisconsin as a snow, uh, I mean, as a ski instructor, and it was like I just worked my butt off for, like, two years and came out here, and I just was the mind boggled on how expensive. And it, it is kind of like your one podcast about, you know, the the deals on, like, the online tickets and stuff. And, like, you know, people don't understand that. And I didn't understand that the first year I came out here. In, like, four days, you can blow $700 to ski. Oh, and it's, and it's yeah. just, it's it's crazy. And, like, it's upsetting that, like, you know, like, back home, like, I skied with, like, a whole group of guys that dreamed about coming out here. And, like, sometimes the only way to come out here is to work. But, honestly, it's the best way to come out here because you know the mountain better than anyone. And you see it in a different way to when you work on the mountain like you understand like working a season like you know you, you yeah. get a sense of pride it's your mountain like you're not visiting it you know yeah and even no, you know I, working I you, man. That, that's awesome and, and love your perspective on that austin mm-hmm. um you know just it, it's so much more than just trying to ski 100 days it's, it's that yeah okay, it's it, it's done 26 inches last night i know exactly where i need to go i'm going to get in exactly yeah and, then, and, and, and just be like that was awesome. Glad I got that. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I guess just to make it, yeah, to make it affordable now, that, that's one of the things we're trying to do is just, because it's yeah. expensive, you know, just, just skiing. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's it's real. it's such a lifestyle thing. And when, you, when you're young, like, you already have the freedom to, to yeah. have a job facilitating living, living the dream like this. That, and, like, I mean, I, money's an important thing. And, like, I've always thought, you know, I've never been, like, a total bum. And, like, I always liked money, you know. I always had a good job. But I've always had that mentality in my mind that you can't take it with you, man, and experiences are way greater than than the cash that you got in your back pocket. So, I mean, and that's kind of the motto I live by. Like, I've gone from having a lot of money as a carpenter to, you know, taking a, like, I don't, you know, you don't get paid as much. I mean, I was a foreman on a construction crew and definitely don't get paid as much as, you know, working – as you know, is ski town because it's so much more expensive living here than it is in Wisconsin. But, oh, but you know, that's not that's not a problem to me because I get to go out to ski every day on the mountain, and I got great friends and people in a ski town are like some of the greatest people you ever meet. And if if anyone's on the fence about doing it, honestly, like go for it. You know, it's one of those things that like you'll never regret in your entire life and you'll probably have the stories like it'll probably be the best i mean my dad when he talked about it it is the best time of his life and he did it for three years and he wished he never would have went back home you know so yeah i think I hear you man I, I i did the same thing loved it some of the best years of my life um that mm-hmm. i spent just pursuing skiing and uh you know kind of i did it after after college and then you know, I've, I've got a family now, and I'm, I'm working and, and all that, and I ski as much as I can. But it's like, yeah, I've definitely looked fondly back to when I could just have the freedom to, uh-huh. to, to just live in ski town and, and, and ski all the time. So, so you mentioned, like, you know, this this is such a good job that facilitates all these things that you want to do with your life right now. 
mm-hmm. you're building experience because you're continuing to operate equipment, that's going to be in demand for a long time. Like as much yeah. as the internet and everything else expands, we still need to move exactly. around. Exactly. You need people to pound hammers. You need people to push dirt around. Exactly. So and so like you're forcing the way that you're you're still you continue to develop that. If there's someone listening, that's like you know, hey, I, I want to get in because I, I think a lot of guys would come into a ski town, and that's that's why Lance and I put this at the top of the list. It's like there's some mystique around it. Like you know, being a bartender is a great ski ski town job. Yeah, um, and like but, and like I was just gonna know, say like you know the path to that. How do you what's the, what's what's your advice if if there's someone out there that wants to kind of move into this as a career option? Well, see, that's the thing I was actually just going to say, like, being a bartender, being a lifty, like, being a ski school guy, that's great. If you want to come out here for a season, maybe two seasons, and just get a free pass. If that's your goal, is just to ski as much as possible and just, like, get a free pass, then, then yeah, then that's what – but I didn't want to come out here and waste, you know, two, three years of my life. I'm not – okay, I shouldn't say waste. But but not no, like but I, I get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like exactly. like I wanted I wanted to learn a skill mm-hmm. from it. Like something that I yeah. could like yeah have an option. And like right. I think the two, actually the three most important jobs on a mountain are, well I mean grooming's important, snowmaking. But I honestly think the unsung heroes on the mountain, the most important guys that get no recognition at all because nobody knows that they're out there every night, every day, day in and day out, are the lift maintenance guys. They are the heroes on the mountain. Yeah. They yeah, are the guys. I mean, Ski Patrol needs a hero too. So, yeah. I mean, and yeah. that's... They, they get a little more press though, but like running around with a cordless impact wrench and climbing up towers to I mean, that, fix stuff. I mean, yeah, they're, they're always on like, the call. And, don't get me wrong, like, and, and like, I think those sticky maintenance and snowmaking are one of the two toughest jobs on the mountain. They're outside in the coldest weather, and like, I'll see them. They're working graves, and we're sitting in a cat, you know, blasting tunes or listening to on the, you know, on the chair mm-hmm. podcast. On the yeah, on the lift podcast in 90 degree heat blowing in your face and you got fresh Starbucks coffee in your mug and, and like, you know, you just, just, awesome. you're in your shorts and t-shirt and you're just trolling along and they're outside and it's negative four degrees and they're blowing through snow, like snow guns at, yeah. and it's four in the morning. And you got the window cracked and your hand out the window. So, like, they get a little upset when they see that, but, you know, they like their job too. Yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all, that's that's awesome, man. Uh, Let's see, a couple more questions for you. Um, Yeah, you know, just just wanted to, like, ask that about, like, how, yeah, how can people get into it? Um, Mm -hmm. it, Did you ever see anything, like, you ever catch people, like, skinning up at night or anything like that yeah yeah actually so um we have that's that's an everyday um thing that we uh encounter and uh so they have designated routes on the mountain and that they can skin but nobody really follows it they just go wherever they really please and uh they can be on the mountain at any time so at 12 tonight they could skin up and ski down with a headlamp on it. I've actually, it's like, it's been one in the morning and I've had, like, I've been the last cat and I'm on the radio, skinners, 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 they're coming down, like, be aware. And we got skinners yeah. at one in the morning with headlamps on whipping in and out of our pattern. 
And like, it's, it's, I mean, we're going to be fine, but it's, it's really dangerous to them. And like, yeah. if anyone's out there listening and they're a skinner, like, I don't know if, if like, you know, I, most of them are respectful, but you get those one, two, and please just stay away from us as far away as possible. Like you're faster than us. You can move a lot quicker than us. And I know that if you're a skinner, you know, your ability of skiing is probably super high. And like, and I'm not saying that, that you're not, and I'm probably, you probably are capable of getting inches away from a cat and, and skiing away and getting real close and thinking it's cool and brushing us with snow and stuff. But there's that 1% chance that if you slip and hit a patch of ice and, you know, you go, you know, you hit us, you know, that's, yeah, that's a big yeah. deal. And, and like, and like most of the skinners are real polite and, you know, you'll get them and they'll wave at you. And it's actually really fun to have skinners because, you know, you'll throw your hand out and give them like a shaka or, a, you know, a high five, like, you know, yeah. air high five out the window while they're on the other side of the mountain and, or they're skinning up and you got music blasting or whatever. And, you like pump it for them and they're like you know everyone's stoked and everyone's happy to be on the mountain i mean if it's a tuesday and you're skinning up why are you angry you can't be right yeah but yeah. it's just no, please be safe you know because it no ski patrols out there and we don't want anyone getting hurt you know yeah for sure now, now you probably can't answer this often i don't want to put you in an uncomfortable position but does, does it you ever uh, let someone hit your ride like napoleon dynamite style um yeah we know. can i'm like Oh, oh, you mean like, like if somebody like, like, like a Skinner? Yeah. Um, actually, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, I would tell you if I knew, but I don't know. I've never, I, mean, I should ask that, but, um, um, I mean, I can hitch rides along with the, with the, uh, snowmakers on the snowmobiles if I'm wearing a helmet or the ski patrol. That's fine if I'm wearing a helmet, but, um, uh, we can have ride alongs, like, if that's what you're asking, like if somebody like, like, you know, if your friend or, like, my girlfriend's coming in uh, a couple days. Actually, she's coming tomorrow, and uh, Saturday I'm going to – Saturday and Sunday I'm going to take her up on a ride along and just to get some company for eight hours sitting by yourself. It's a little lonely once in a while. Yeah. I, I had no idea you could do ride along with snowcat operators. That, that's, that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I was just yeah. kind of curious if, if, like, if you see a skinner, if they ever, like, just kind of grab onto the back and, and, you, and you fill them up. Oh no no we can't we can't do that no that would we wouldn't have a job very much longer if we did that yeah for sure so what, what percentage of the drivers uh, are are pretty hardcore skiers are are there some guys that just enjoy driving equipment and they've kind of you know gotten yeah. recruited to do this and then maybe they don't even ski or or are are most of them skiers um so I mean actually that's a good question um I mean most of the younger guys so our break room. You know, we got skis lined up everywhere, and like most of the guys, they'll we can walk right from the shop down to uh, Snowflake Lift if anyone knows where that is at Breckenridge, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and ski down and off of Snowflake, and then I mean, if you know where Snowflake is, you know it's a horrible lift. It's got that weird turn in it, that like ninety degree yeah, turn. Yeah, it's yeah, not. That's yeah, but um, crazy lift. But uh, um, yeah, some some of the older guys. I mean, we got work with some guys in their 60s and stuff, and they just do it because, I mean, they still ski maybe once in a while, I mean, and they still get a pass, but they just do it because they've been doing it since they were my age, and they love the equipment, and they just love, you know, the camaraderie, and it's like, you know, everyone's a team. You're a team, and you work together, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, the old guys uh, talk to the new guys, and, like, you know, and, like, I mean, I'm considered a greenhorn, you know, rookie my first year and stuff, sure. and, like, 
coming in, I was a little nervous, you know, like big equipment, you know, a new company. I worked for a small three-man construction crew for three years. I never worked for a Vail corporate, you know, big corporation. And I went from like tiny three-man to one of the biggest corporations in America, you know, like it's weird. Yeah. You know, I was really thinking like, oh, how many people are there going to be? And I mean, in the graveyards, we got a crew of eight guys and we're all, you know, nobody's nobody's angry at each other they're all good guys they're all unique in their own ways and i mean we got some characters and everyone's fun i mean and uh a lot of guys think i'm crazy for sleeping in a van but and i know a couple of other guys that sleep in vans i, I think there was a guy named uh warren miller that was sleeping in his van in the sun valley parking lot Probably in a lot less comfortable van than you're in, Austin. So, well, I'm in a I'm in a 1988 Chevy Bonaventure. Nice. Well, yeah, we man. About, we we we, we got to hear about the van. Maybe we'll set up another call. Um, Hell yeah! And you can share how you how you make all that work because dude, we yeah. I mean, me and me and my dad are van. Vans. My dad's got an '82 Volkswagen Westie, and uh, I got a Chevy Bonaventure. That's awesome, man. Well, well, hey, we are so proud of you, man, for for Thank you. dream, figuring out a way to make this work. You're you're wise beyond your years. Can't believe you're only 19 years old. Um, Thank you very and, much. And, and you figured out how to to carve out this this life in ski country, man. So, thank mm-hmm. you so I much mean, for and like time. like the last yeah. thing I could say is like. I mean, I've, like, my dad, when he came out here and when I was born, like, since the time he put me on skis when I was three years old, and, like, since the time I was in diapers, he was talking about Colorado, Colorado, and I could never, like, we could have never really afforded it, and I know a lot of families can't, and if you're, like, a kid, you know, and you listen to this, or whatever, and, and or if your dad, and, you know, you listen to this podcast and stuff, like... Like, and you got a dream to do something. I mean, I had this dream forever. And you can do anything you want. It's all possible. And, I mean, I can't say I did it all myself. I definitely had help from a ton of people. And I, like, thank every one of them to the bottom of my heart because I'm living it, you know. And, like, I always try to keep in touch with everyone and never burn bridges and live life with a smile on your face, man. Yep, and just find ways to facilitate skiing. You never know. I mean, I when I lived in Breckenridge, I was working at a TV station. You know, I mean, yeah, exactly. You, you, you found a way in with experience with heavy equipment. I mean, there's always a way. And there's always and there's there's so, so many jobs out here. There are, and and they don't. And, and I love your perspective that it doesn't necessarily have to be. Oh, I'm taking a you know quote gap year, or I'm you know just just going like you you can actually. Further your career, oh, develop yeah. a skill, develop a I mean, trade that's going to facilitate skiing, and, and, and maybe, you know, you can transfer other places. So Yeah, and I knew I wasn't going to college after high school. I knew I wanted to just get out and experience life, and I knew that four years of more schooling, I was going to hate it. And, like, yeah, so I just went for it. That, yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, man, this I know this is going to be a super popular episode. I can't wait to get this up. And uh, yeah, keep pumping them out, man. Keep pumping them out. All the other eight guys, uh, uh, you know, grooming peak eight, nine, and ten. We'll uh, we'll get a chuckle out of hearing you on the uh, on the on the podcast today. Yeah, I'm gonna make them. I'm gonna make them all listen to it. (laughs) Hey, we'll definitely we'll definitely take that. You know, tell your friends. That's that's how we're gonna grow. So glad you found us, and thanks for calling. You know, I mean. 
I'll just tell our listeners, Austin just uh, called our Google Voice number that we have for the show, 253-260-4577, and said, hey, we're listening to the show. I'm a lift thought, or I'm, I'm sorry, not a lift up. I'm a, a cat driver, and, you know, we'd love to chat with you guys. So really appreciate you doing that, and um, I, I know our listeners appreciate it as well. So, hey, man, have a great evening, and thanks again. Yeah, you too, man. Be safe. Visit us at ontheliftpodcast.com, where you can listen to back episodes of the podcast. You'll also find show notes, feedback box, and our call-in number. I love that interview. Nicely done, Michael. Nicely done, Austin. What a great time learning about the transition from student to surfer to groomer at Breckenridge. Awesome stuff. All right, we are now going to hear from Josiah. Josiah lives in Hawaii. He has made some transitions this year. He also, just like Austin, is 19. He's off to college. He's a snowboarder, but his background's in surfing. He's from the North Shore of Oahu, and he is one amazing fellow. So here we go. This is my interview a few, uh, more than a few days back of Josiah. Enjoy. So, welcome to back to On The List podcast, and I have one of my favorite people in the world on the line right now, and his name is Josiah Swanson. Say hi, Josiah. Hi. So, Josiah is my nephew, and I'd like him to introduce himself by telling you listeners where he lives and what kinds of stuff he does and what he's about to embark on in life. How old are you, first of all, Josiah? I am 19. 19. All right, so where do you live? Well, I said hi, but around here we'd say aloha. I live in Hawaii. Oh, my gosh, I know you do. And it's best thing about you guys living in Hawaii is that we get to come see you every now and then. So, uh, um, <laughs> so yeah, tell, tell, tell our listeners just a little bit. You know, give us a snapshot of what your life's like. Tell us about your family and what kinds of stuff you do and, and uh how long have you been in Hawaii and all that sort of stuff? Go for it. Yeah, yeah sure thing. So uh, both my parents are from the Northwest, and uh, they moved us out here when I was really young. Uh, I grew up surfing on the north shore of Oahu. Uh, you know, my dad was a windsurfer, and uh, he came over here with plans to pick up some more of those uh, windsurfing methods and also to start shoreboarding. So I grew up uh, just uh, really cruising with him a lot, and uh getting on the, the surfing program over here, and I really, really liked it. I liked it so much, in fact, that my dad decided to move our family to the North Shore. Uh, you know, we moved uh, initially to Milwaukee, which is kind of central, and yeah. so we had to commute a lot to get to the beach. Uh, so wow. So, so let's, stop with a, let's talk a little bit about your surfing background. You said you're 19 now. How old were you when you started surfing? Oh, gosh, man, I must have been like... Three. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say, because I think I've been over there every year of your life, um, at least once each year, and I was going to say it seems like you were about three when I remember uh, down in Ali'i on a, on a small break day, your dad pushing you into a wave a little bit, and I remember yeah. like, when uh, you were five, I think you were paddling in your own way. I think my dad was just so in love with the ocean that he thought, hey, I'm going to get my son out there as fast as I can because I know he'll love it too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, all right, so you got your dad, Dave, and your mom, who's my sister, Monica. Uh-huh. And okay. then uh, what, what's the rest of your family like? 
Yeah, so along the way uh, come three other brothers. So we've got four brothers, all, and uh, yeah, we all surf, actually. I, I ought to say that. We're, we're all surfers, and uh, when it comes to sports, we don't do much else. We like to skateboard a bit. Um, I actually was more of a skateboarder back in the day, but uh, we mostly surf now. And you've you've compete you've done some competition in surfing. That's right, that's right. My claim to fame is uh competing at the California Nationals uh over in uh Lowers Trestles. So I, I made it up to, to nationals. Uh I think I was probably about thirtieth in the nation for my age group. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Awesome. You no, know, competition wasn't really my thing. Um so about maybe I was probably about 14 years old when I decided to pull the plug. Uh, I don't really have that competitive drive that a couple of my brothers have. So, and I All wish right. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's that's how I probably. This is of course a skiing and snowboarding podcast, and I would venture to say that 99 plus percent of our uh, of our audience is into it because they love the mountains and they love skiing, and they don't care if they ever set foot in a racing course so you know it's something awesome for those who are into that. it but it's not for everyone you know and, yeah there's something special about just being in love with nature and you know i i've been out in the snow and you know we're going to talk a little about that but there's just something about being in the sport just because you love to be in nature and i think that there's something really pure about that i think so too i i couldn't agree more whether it's on the water or in my beloved mountains. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about the mountains. You live, I mean, yeah, you live, you know, a couple islands away from a big volcano that seems to enjoy getting rid of its lava and and, <laughs> and it's really hot, <laughs> consistent with the rest of your island. And then you got other islands that have some high peaks too. But we're talking mountains with like chairlifts and snow that lasts more than a minute. Um, yeah. You've had those experiences, huh? And you had to travel, what, 2,500 miles across the Pacific to get to them. That's right. Um, that's right. Yeah, six-hour plane flight at least. <laughs> yeah, for the for the shortest of those trips. So um, so that's what I wanted to talk, talk about tonight. I hope that this conversation can inspire people who have thought about skiing and wondered whether they have what it takes to ski or snowboard but just haven't gotten around to doing it. Or maybe they've done it and it's been a while, but they've done other sports in the interim and just, mm-hmm. you know, like they're a little they're a little apprehensive about getting back into it if they've done it before. So um so I uh let let's let's just go from there. Tell us about um so you're a snowboarder, right? That's right. Okay. And that's only that's like the most sensible thing for you to do given your background and what you said with surfing and, and, uh, and, and skateboarding. So tell us a little bit about, if you've thought back about it, um, how well you felt you were able to adjust to life on the snow <laughs> or just snowboarding the first couple of times you went um, and whether you think surfing was some sort of, um, you know, some sort of advantage or whether it gave you, um, some confidence as you approach the sport. Mm. Yeah, so uh, right off the bat, one thing that was really different was the temperature. I was freezing. <laughs> I'm not used to that, but uh, you guys hooked me up with some gear, and, you know, I 
I got used to the big puffy jackets and uh, the big shoes and all that. So uh, in a matter of time, I was uh, kind of... It's probably, it's probably kind of hard to snowboard and flip-flops, or excuse me, slippers. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really work out that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and, I, and I, I'm guessing, I mean, I know from my experiences over there that my first stop when I get off the plane is Costco so that we can have affordable food in the fridge. But I'm, I'm guessing that the... the you know, I, when I'm there, I'm always shocked to be able to buy Quicksilver, you know, swim shorts or whatever, surf trunks at Costco. And you guys yeah. probably don't have the big uh, the big Patagonia puffy jackets like we have here. Not at all. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, unfamiliar territory for sure. Um, but anyways, uh, so my surfing background, you know, I was thinking about it. Um, snowboarding, and, I, you know, I've done some skiing too. Uh, it... It's definitely got a handful of uh, these parallels, these uh, characteristics that you see showing up in surfing, skating, snowboarding, and even skiing. Um, and, you know, one thing, you know, once you get up there on the mountain, it's frightening because you've got this. <laughs> it is. It's and so I was thinking about it. This is something that I've noticed that is shared between all these sports, the drop. And... <laughs> When you're okay, surfing, fair enough. I like that. When you're surfing, um, you've got to deal with dropping in. And when you're just starting out, this is something that really, it's, you know, it's a mind game. You, you can trip out for so long thinking about this drop before you. And uh, eventually you learn to commit and to lean forward into the drop and to just take it on. And, hey, you might fall, but it's the commitment that makes it so that you don't fall. And, uh, I think well, the good news about surfing—the good news about surfing—is you're not going to crack your head open on some sort of boulder. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And or that's ice. why surfing kind of eased me into this world. But um, yeah, this world of board sports, really, and skiing too. I guess I could throw that in there too. Yeah. Um, but learning how to deal with this drop, especially as a skateboarder, um, really helped me once I got up on the mountain. And so I realized, you know, whatever this is before me, I can handle this, and I'm going to commit. And that's that's what helped me. That, nice. that was my mental space up there. Well, you know, and that's that's I think at least, you know, I mean, if your average, if, if this sport, skiing and snowboarding has as many people doing it as it does, then you know it, it's it's doable. And so that means that the skills are going to be there for most people. You know, mm-hmm. putting their skis on edge and and keeping yep. themselves from you know falling on their face. It's the mental side, at least 50% of it, it I think. It really is. is. That's what I've like found. Looking down and looking out there and thinking, oh, ho, 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 yeah. I don't know about this. Um, uh-huh. so getting over that, I don't know about this stage, and and just going for it, you know. That's and right. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, as soon as you drop. Think, like, I don't know if I can do this. Well, you can't do it. you got to think in your mind, I can do this, and that's what's going to get you there. That's that is so awesome. Have have you even had any lessons? No words. Oh man. Well, I had a great coach named Lance Hester as a <laughs> yeah. the world's worst the world's worst snowboarder. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have much help in the snow in the snowboarding realm. I think I got a few pointers from my dad who has a a little background there uh, right. in Oregon. Yeah. Well, that I mean that's that's pretty awesome. So. Um, so one of the reasons that I was really excited to get you on our podcast is you made terrific advances in the short amounts of times that you've had to go to the mountains. I mean, you've been to 
um, the family cabin at Crystal Mountain for a, a handful of days on a couple different occasions. Is that a fair, right. fair characterization? And then we had that, that really fun family trip where we had our entire family in Sun Valley for um, a Thanksgiving oh, man, weekend. That was amazing. That, that was that's amazing. And and to watch some Hawaiians enter uh, enter into a world where the high was five degrees one day was pretty fascinating too. <laughs> uh, it's like you guys watching the Howleys get sunburned on their first day on vacation. I'm sure. That's right. Yeah, I think I think that that's a good parallel. Yeah. So, um, but but I mean to go from skiing the the kind of beginners mountain dollar mountain to skiing. Baldy, which is the bigger mountain in Sun Valley, and doing it with utter confidence, and not just—it's not just you; it's you, your brother Jonah, and your brother Luke. All conquered that mountain, all on the same on the same final day of our um, of our experience there. So I'm going to chalk that up to the confidence that surfing, skateboarding, and as you said, that psychological thing that happens when you decide all right i've got what it takes for the drop yep yep that's right and you know i've got that background already so that that's something to take into mind you can't just get up there you know never having set your foot on a surfboard or a skateboard and say i've got this because well i mean how could you right like who would have to be crazy i actually had a background in surfing so that kind of got me to that place um Uh so you know, if you're totally new to all of this, I'd recommend lessons. Uh, but for me, you know, the the I, I I wouldn't say I did anything quite extraordinary. But if if you're asking me how did I do it, I'd just say it was having that background and then having confidence. And and certainly, if you if you had you know a series of eight weeks every Saturday to go up to the mountain and and to improve your skill, you'd take lessons. But that hasn't been you know you've had to have these crash courses small small doses so um so yeah that that's pretty impressive stuff i love i love the attitude josiah and then the other thing is here here's what i can't figure out if you and your brothers have been able to accomplish what you've accomplished snowboarding because of your cycle you know that you understand that you got to just conquer the drop or dropping in for skateboarding or I don't know what you call it in surfing, <laughs> paddling and as fast as you can and jumping on the board or whatever. Why can't I accomplish that in surfing? <laughs> you know what? You have to answer that question, Uncle Ryan. <laughs> okay. And, and, I've, and I, I, I pride myself in being um, one of one – when, when I'm in Hawaii, the whitest – in surfer there because I put on plenty of sunscreen and also the worst surfer on any beach at any given time. The okay. dog on and I'm out there trying. <laughs> I've seen you rock it on those wave storms. Rock it. You doing? Uh, well, uh, yeah, you know, if they're if they're ankle high or less, I'm not intimidated. So, <laughs> well, Josiah, tell, just let's just finish this off. You are you've just um, finished your you know your high school kind of your your home. Um, home living, you're 19, you said, you're embarking on the adult world. What, what's going on next? Yeah, so I'm actually headed off to school in Santa Barbara, California. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've actually been homeschooling over here on the North Shore, and I'm really excited to spread my wings at a new home and uh, hopefully wow. be involved with the surfing and snowboarding, even the skateboarding over there. 
Well, yeah, you know, the good thing about moving to, you know, the continent is you can, like, uh, look into whether your school has a ski and snowboard club or something like that, which usually means you get, you know, a couple different weekend opportunities. And if you're in Santa Barbara, maybe you can go up to Mammoth Mountain or something. Yeah. Awesome. Like Man, that. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, and, I, you know, I'm sure our listeners are really feeling sorry for a guy who lives in the North Shore of Oahu who has to now go slumming in Santa Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Arguably the nicest city in the world. Or, I don't know. That, that, that might be overstated. But it is one of the greatest places I've ever visited, and I've never been there for more than mm-hmm. a weekend. So, well, that is that is so cool. You have such a bright, awesome future ahead of you. And thanks so much for your time tonight, Josiah. This has just been a great conversation, and I really oh my appreciate goodness. Thank you for having me on your amazing podcast. <laughs> well, oh, I like that term, amazing. We're uh, we're having fun with it. It's a great hobby. Thank you. All right. Well, it's time to offload the final chair and end this episode of On the Lift Podcast. Bar up, tips up, sweep that hill, and see you next week.